Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, you know how I feel uh, with my guests. I know that each one of them are uh, presenting themselves to to us here with several what I deem very expensive commodities. The first is their time. David, I thank you for your time because I know how precious it is and uh, that you are here to spend some of that with us. The second is your journey, your journey houses, your wisdom, your enlightenment, your pain, all of your victories and defeats. And so I want to thank you so much for coming. And it is my hope that I create a space by which you can be honest with yourself and with us so that we can learn and become the best human spirits possible while we occupy this space. Thank you so much, David, for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It is an honor, sir. Talk to us about some of the things that you have created uh, currently or given birth to, because I tell people a creator, one of the things about the creator that we hate is complacency. And once we are awake, we have to keep moving. We don't know what that word is, and we do not. It's not uh, um, a part of our spirit or part of our uh, lexicon, if you will. Talk to us about those things that you have created so far. Well, um, most recently, I created a, a book uh, called Pictures of Your Soul. And when people think of the soul, they think they don't think they can answer questions about what the soul is and, and how the s- spiritual entity stays within a physical body. Um, and are there, is there an anatomy of the soul that we have to learn? And uh, I was learning a book called Tanya, uh, which uh, actually goes through a lot of that description. And in order to understand it, I had to draw a lot of pictures. Mm -hmm. So I found myself drawing pictures of the soul. And uh, this book really goes through a series of questions that people normally would have or think they couldn't answer and goes through answering each one of them. And uh, I found a, an amazing photographer who uh, lives right next to the Western Wall in Jerusalem and spends mm-hmm. uh, like tens of thousands of pictures on people who are on fire in prayer. They're just like glowing. And so those are also woven through the book. So you actually feel the sense of the soul as being very, very alive visually. Um, I'm, I'm a musician. Um, so I have two albums out and one is called journey to the real you, which I think is very thematic with, uh, your show. Um, and, uh, there's a book that goes with that called a book about you. And it's all about helping people discover who they are, what's unique about them, what strengths and weaknesses come with that type of personality. 
um, and and helping them make choices in life because you know there's a lot of things that we know that are right for us, but it's just scary to make that step into new territory. Uh, so mm-hmm. I deal with that process of not only knowing who you are but actualizing it as well. Um, as as a business, I'm an inventor, so I uh, I have uh, some technology I sold about uh, 20 years ago, which was an immersive t- uh, uh, video technology that mm-hmm. lets you be on stage with various characters. This is long before we and various uh, Xbox uh, technology, <laughs> so I sold it in time to uh, to not have to face the competition. Um, yeah. And I, then I invented another uh, product, which is an insole that you step into. And uh, you're, it immediately takes the shape of your foot. So I'm presently neg- negotiating with uh, some big shoe companies to try to get them to license it, integrate them into their shoes. Um, half my day, I study Torah. I study uh-huh. Judaism, the Talmudic studies and mystical studies, uh, Kabbalistic studies. Um, and, uh, you know, my, I'm at a stage of my life where I'm, I, I had spent so many years teaching people uh, beginners, people who have come from a, a non-religious background, teaching them the basics of of Judaism and spirituality, um, and and uh, there's a certain balance in life that I've established where I have to have a certain amount of input and a certain amount mm-hmm. of output, and so I've designed my life now around that balance. And uh, thank God, I, I live in in Israel and. Uh, I feel every breath I take here is a breath of spiritual air and uh, an enlightenment in, in itself. I'm excited about this conversation. There's so much you stated there. And I want to uh, talk to you about um, how did you get to where you are? We go back. Usually it's our custom here, David, is to investigate uh, the journey. Talk to us about your family upbringing. How was that um, as a, uh, w- that is one of the first places that we as humans are uh, placed into. And based on our family, uh, their perception of the world, they then began to uh, deposit information into us. So talk to us about your family, your upbringing from that point of view. Hey, I, I grew up in Toronto um, and um, was, uh, my, my parents were of a very cultured people who, encouraged creativity in the home very much i mm-hmm. i studied music uh then uh I, I i was encouraged to be involved in sports and competitive uh there's always been a competitive side of me that strived mm-hmm. to be the, the best that i could in whatever field i was in and that was yeah. part of the selective process of deciding what to do because i wanted to do well at it and so it, there was a certain weaving in and out of different things that I was uh, faced with. I was p- into painting for a while, um, and I and I I couldn't fit into the normal school system. Thank God I'm ADHD, so I have a lot of creativity, <laughs> but it doesn't help yeah. too much in the in the classroom. Yeah. Um, so I went to what's called a free school. And a free school is a, by the Board of Education. They allow you to design your own curriculum, and then they approve that, and you get your credits for that. And, um, and that, that was a, you know, all day Friday was just art. Uh, -hmm. you know, it was a very, very free flowing kind of environment, but it was encouraged a certain apathy at the same time because it was out of touch with the regular, uh, responsibilities of certain skills to develop academically. So it was much, I, I miss out on a certain amount of the structure. But when I was 16 years old, 
um, I became so immersed in the music composition side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what I did was I wrote a bunch of songs and with a friend of mine who's the lyricist. And we uh, recorded demos and went out to L.A. and became uh, friends with a number of uh, very big people in the music industry. And um, we we got a staff writing uh, a staff uh, music writing job with A and M Records, which was doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, but no anymore, <laughs> uh, not anymore. But uh, that was exciting for us. And then um, we re recorded a uh, an album with a, a guy from Toronto who was originally from Jamaica. He he grew up with Bob Marley, and mm -hmm. um, he had a sort of Earth, Wind, and Fire kind of sound to him. And, um, what instrument do you play, uh, uh, David? Sorry to interrupt. What I, instrument I play, do you play? I play piano. I play okay. piano. Okay. Sweet, and, sweet. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, I sing. Mm -hmm. And um, But my, uh, as you'll see, my major in college was music composition. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and composition is, is putting a lot of pieces together and finding a way for them to flow. So being an inventor and, you know, doing, doing like three puzzles at a time on the floor as a little kid was very similar mm -hmm. type of thing, you know, wanting to try to make things fit into a way that flows properly. So yeah. the, the kind of music composition I used to do was much more like that. Uh, I'll, I'll explain to you how that's changed over time. Um, but when I was 18 years old, I had a fascinating realization Thank God, not through the type of pain that, that you described before, but there was an enlightenment that took place. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened was uh, when I was 18, I was running so fast to be successful in the music industry. I thought like once you reach 20, you're over the hill. And <laughs> I, so I, wanted, to, I wanted, to make, wanted to make it big in the business. And yeah. um, what happened was the the sound of this album that we did sounded a little bit too Canadian. It was too clean. Like if you go to the to Canada, uh, you, if you get on a subway, there's no graffiti there. It's like it's mm -hmm. missing a, it's missing the soul. You know, it's like a, <laughs> yeah. So so we went we went to L.A. to record some of the songs, and there was this arranger named Gene Page who's passed away now, but he he had won numerous numerous Grammy awards for uh, a, a, num a number of albums that he produced and arranged. And uh, we hired him to do our album. And um, he got the greatest uh, musicians in, in L.A., really incredible mm -hmm. musicians. And uh, I was 18, and he was quite intrigued by this 18-year-old, uh, you know, recording this album with him. And he was nominated for a Grammy and couldn't go. So he asked me if I would accept his award wow. on his behalf. Wow. And on one hand, I was so excited, but on mm -hmm. the other hand, I was scared out of my mind because <laughs> I was imagining going up in front of thousands of people in person and millions of people watching on television. And I just kept envisioning myself going up there and saying, I want to thank you on behalf of, um, uh, you know, like, and forgetting his <laughs> name or something really <laughs> crazy like that. Yeah. So, so uh, I was just like, I was in the limousine that he got he for me and a tuxedo and i was heading down the highway and i uh this girl i met out there gave me something to relax me a little bit uh mm -hmm. and uh my feet were like sort of flying by then and i'm <laughs> heading down the highway and um i think i think uh, i joke that's like when i became religious because i prayed to god that he wouldn't win <laughs> and 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 thank god god listened to me and uh he didn't win but because i got 
uh, nominated. I was one of the, you know, actually there you have, you have to sort of believe that it's you getting nominated because then you can rub shoulders with all these big players. So I had a VIP pass into this party afterwards where in the, in a big hotel, each ballroom had a different theme. The Count Basie's Mm -hmm. orchestra was playing in one. This was the, the, the disco era. So, mm-hmm. uh, of the, of the late seventies and they had a, they had a big disco room and then one room, they had a, a big spread of food and television showing all over the room of the Grammys so that you can yeah. watch your artists perform again and again and again. And just yeah. because it meant so much <laughs> to these people. Yeah. Now, I came from somewhat of a snobby, uh, jazz background. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up on uh, Herbie Hancock's Chick Corea and the Weather yeah. Report and all that, you know, just sort of jazz fusion. Yeah. And um, I'm looking around and I saw somebody who was my idol. He mm-hmm. was like, he was like exactly what I wanted to be. Somebody who did not sacrifice any artistic integrity and yet was successful in the pop market. Like that's yeah. a really tough thing to do. Yeah. And yeah. there was the <clears throat> the man who was the ultimate example of that. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and he looked totally depressed. He was just sitting there smoking a joint with Chuck Mangione, who was a, man, a very popular trumpet yeah. player at the time. Yeah. And he looked depressed. And I said, whoa, like, whoa, like, yeah. this is what I'm running after. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't look happy. Yeah. And it looks like I need to figure out how to be happy and then use my music as an expression of that inner happiness. Yes. And I just stopped my life. I was no longer running at a hundred miles an hour to be successful. I was Uh much more concerned about living the life of David Green, like Mm -hmm. not living the life of these people that I was chasing after. What a gift. That led me to, excuse me. What a gift that was uh, being oh. there and had the opportunity to be there. Isn't it wonderful how they call it synchronicity, if you will? Or, and uh, But I think it's just a beautiful thing how life has a way of ushering us into the path that we need to be in order. Because here you are chasing this thing and you're watching at this person going, wait a minute. And at that space, you got this major life-changing revelation. Uh, right. Just from an uh, an opportunity to go present, quote unquote, or receive something, and you had this great big life epiphany going. Wait a minute. Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, the Hasidic masters say that there are various points in our lives where we have a certain what's called ruach hakodesh, a divine uh, revelation, mm-hmm. um, and we have them all the time, but we're yeah. not awake enough to hear them. Yeah. And there was a time when prophets, there were thousands of prophets, even though we only read about a few, there were thousands of them that used to be able to look at a person and look at their soul and tell mm-hmm. them who they are and what their purpose is in this world. And we yeah. lost that prophecy, but what they used to look at is still there, mm-hmm. which means within us is that that awareness deep down inside of who we are and what we're here to achieve. Yeah. And we every so often we're privileged to get a glimpse of what that is. Now, a person should really dig down deep a, an active process of removing the distractions of this world and of our emotional uh, confusion to f- hear that inner voice 
and therefore we don't need to go to someone else to find out what that is. We yeah. have it inside of us. And there are certain times where there's a, a message that's in front of you that opens up that door where you can vividly see what that is. And so mm -hmm. for me, I didn't vividly know how to translate it. I yeah. just saw that there was a major change that I had to make. And I was sort mm -hmm. of scared, like, well, well what, what is it? Where, what, what am I supposed to do next? Yeah. And I decided, yeah. you know what? I haven't been in a real school since mm -hmm. I was like in grade seven. Maybe what I should just do is go to college and mm -hmm. be a normal guy, you know, not yeah. be running after Hollywood. And yeah. so I went to Bloomington, Indiana, which has a very good music school. And I went through the process of music school. And yeah. uh, I, I really found it somewhat depressing. Yeah. Um, I found it lonely. I found it, I found myself in a place where all these people wanted to be that idol I had who was in LA. They wanted to be yeah. that. Yeah. And so all, mm -hmm. everyone's running after Hollywood again. And, and I knew that that wasn't right for me. And I knew it wasn't right for them either. It was yeah. s s sort of <laughs> so alienating. And uh, then I picked myself up and I went to Israel mm -hmm. because there were certain hypocrisies in my religious identity in that certain places I cared about it and certain places I didn't care about it. And I, I decided that I wanted to sort that out and either uh, embrace my religious background mm -hmm. or reject it because either yeah. it's true or it's not true. Yeah. So I went to Israel and uh, the first thing that happened was my music began to blossom. Mm -hmm. I was away from this whole artsy culture and I was hearing my own inner voice. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that when you're in the land of Israel, it's like an amplifier to the soul. It, you can yeah. hear your soul much higher. And, and when I, when I came here, um, I, I had a jazz band. I used to perform every Saturday night at the Tomb of David, very, right next there. There was a, a hall, mm -hmm. and um, I I uh, started getting a lot of gigs playing for for you know like writing music for various stories and religious religious teachings and um, the the purity in which my music started to have was so much more important to me than mm -hmm. the creativity of the music that I was being demanded to create in college mm -hmm. and in the, in the industry. And uh, that was such a big transformation for me. And, th and that's, well, during a process of searching about who I am and what I am. What am mm -hmm. I a soul? What does it mean to be a soul? Is there a God? How do you know if there is a God? And I, I was there, a number of guys showed up at the same time that one guy who was in, in the same class with me there um, had just done a thesis that there is no God. That was his mm -hmm. thesis. Yeah. And he came to save his brother from being brainwashed in what we call a yeshiva. <laughs> yeah. So it was great because I had all the arguments to prove that it wasn't true. And yeah. I, watched them, I watched them knock down one at a time, one ac argument at a time. <laughs> and it was, it was an amazing process for me. And it took a while, um, yeah. uh, but over time I became religious and, mm -hmm. um, and my vision of what to do with my life changed and I became a giver of, of teaching and uh, I became a rabbi and I uh, continued to do my music as a form of communication of something that I thought was very meaningful yeah. um, and uh, then became an author. And I, I don't, I don't believe that you, you, you choose a career and have to be that for the rest of your life. 
I, I believe don't you, choose, you, you take a personality. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. personality can express itself in many ways, in many ways. at the same time. Yeah, Especially if you're ways. ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I've been accused of the same, man. My, my, uh, I have a good friend of mine, and uh, all of our friends tell us that we are classic <laughs> because of our attention uh, span. But I find myself, it's really interesting what I can do, David. I can read several books, listen to things uh, all at the same time and process it um, clearly. And I had a friend of mine said to me, that's not possible. And while I was doing all of these things at one point in time, and so I said to them, ask me anything, just pull from wherever you want to, which would have whatever, where I was. And so they went through a couple of books that I was reading here and, and uh, asked me stuff while I'm reading this book, I'm doing listening to this and whatever. And for me, um, I am able to do that. I don't know why, but I am able to do it. Um, where I can separate them. I was also, I'm also a musician. So my, my ear is trained to, uh, I guess, to hear different things and pick up different things and so forth. But I don't know what it is. And I, I, I can't explain it, but that is what it is. And people say, because well, you're uh, very, uh, you're very, you're very blessed. Uh, um, not, not only in the, in what you described just now, but within that, the, the ability to remember, what you read a number of books back. Um, mm. I, I have a very hard time with that. And um, it, it's, it's something in my studies, when I do Talmudic studies, it's yeah. very important to remember what you learned, you know, three weeks ago, because a debate to do with that is coming up. And you have to remember what you learned back then, in order to understand what you're learning now. It's, it's yeah. a very, very challenging thing for me. So you should, should very much appreciate that you have that. That, and I think oh. it's a natural thing. It's I know people learn how to how to memorize things better and read reading comprehension skills. But I have friends who I've studied with where they remember everything they learn, and it's uh, it's it's so obviously a gift. And um, that's one of the challenges I have. I should say yeah, thank I God because <laughs> that's that's led me to other things. You know. Yeah, I think a, as a as as a you know? as a jazz musician, especially, yeah. uh, the reason why I probably got involved in improvisational jazz is because reading music and memorizing music was very very hard for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went into the realm of playing music and, yeah. and just expressing it in you know spontaneously. Talk to us about. Um but that transition, because it is a, um, you mentioned it before, moving from one space to another, when you had this encounter with your quote-unquote idol, and you realize that um, that's not where it is. And as you begin to shift, uh, because that place that you're shifting to now is an uncertainty. You are not, uh, you talked about going to school, and here you are. Once you, you made your decision to move to uh, Israel, and uh, things slowly began to um, come into place with the music. How did you, David, you mentioned that you started studying. How did you, um, with all of this renaissance happening around you and your study and all of this thing, did it started to affect you as an individual in the sense where it began to um, change your perception? You talked about your friend who was, who was an atheist and having all of this conversation happening. How did it begin to 
those seeds of of uh, a life and the movement of things began to change this young man in his in his being how did that uh, begin to affect you that's a great question um i before i went to israel i was much more of an introvert mm-hmm. um and uh when i went and started learning with other 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 people at the same time w- I I seemed to blossom. I found myself just being free to just express myself and let the guard down and just just be who I am yeah. um, and discover who I am. And I found myself making really good quality friends because mm-hmm. the, we had those late night discussions about philosophical issues. Um, we had uh, one of the things I did was. Um, there, there's a Hasidic sect that they would, uh, the rabbi would speak at night, and then after that, like around eleven, twelve o'clock at night, uh, a, f- a few hundred people would go into this dark room, which was the mm-hmm. dining hall with the lights off, and they would sing music that was atonal, yeah. um, all in unison, and uh, it was like like these beautiful songs that were atonal like and i thought schoenberg was ahead of his time the, mm. these were these were absolutely awesome melodies and i said like whoa like where am i like it, mm-hmm. it just took me completely out of the whole space of my life and assumptions and and it made me let go of so much of my past and allow myself to discover where i was at the time and i felt myself yeah much, much happier just as a person, just mm-hmm. sharing with people. Time had a different type of scale to it. I was living in the moment so much more. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I was breathing in air that was much more real, like, like yeah. the, 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 you know, um, going places, uh, discovering new people that I probably wouldn't have had spent time with if I wasn't in an environment of truth-seeking. Yeah, and because yeah. I w- when you're within a within a group of people who are truth seeking, it helps bring that out even more. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, I felt that was an amazing, amazing time in my life where I feel that's probably the happiest time, or at least you know, I, I thank God I've had many other times that have been happy. I also have struggled with depression and and yeah. you know, pain of uh, you know they say is a, a chemical depression, but I've gone through various painful times, but that, that was such an amazing time of joy in my life because mm-hmm. I'm deep down inside. I'm a truth seeker. I, I yeah. conversations I'd have in fr- with friends in college always felt superficial unless we started to analyze what life is about and, you know, different types of personalities and things. And here I was with a whole group of people who were very much immersed in that same type of truth-seeking process, and therefore it was every conversation was coming from such a deep, fulfilling place yeah. that yeah. had to have a transformation on me. I, it, it had yeah. to be a, a happier life because I was within that realm of who I really was and being encouraged yeah. to be so. As you you're talking about this, David, you'd mentioned that you're. You had some struggles, and um, we all have those uh, struggles as uh, part of this human experience that we I talked about 
as individuals being dropped into this uh, um, spiritual being being uh, deposited into this house that is uh, basically keeping us legally here on this planet. And we all experience uh, 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 different types of um, uh, shift in emotions. Talk to us about the depression aspect of uh, your your uh, life. How did you learn to? And I'm sure it is a continued walk. But how do you? How did you learn how to manage it, David? How did you learn how to not let it be your master per se, versus you being able to? manage it and to keep it um uh, in check if you will for lack of a better word so at first um it was being experienced on a very symptomatic level where i just mm -hmm. i just suffered and just didn't know why i was suffering and um i was sort of lost in it mm -hmm. um and then over time i stepped back and said to myself you know I'm not running the show. God's mm -hmm. running the show. And he put me through this. And some people suffer from various physical diseases. And some people suffer from all kinds of, you know, mental diseases. I suffered from a, an, an anxiety um, and some depression. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for it. And the deeper I, I, I got into my studies... The more I was able to say, you know what, this is a, a gift. Yeah. Even though it's painful, it's a gift. Childbirth is a gift, and childbirth yeah. is very painful. And that I'm supposed to take a change in my life and reprioritize repri what truly is meaningful. And within the realm of a very dark space, if you light a candle, that candle can light up the whole space. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself discovering various sparks that enlightened that dark period. Um, it, a lot of it had to do with the relationship with my wife, yeah. um, who I loved dearly and, 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 and was with me through all that and helped me. Friends that were, one, one of my closest friends is a psychiatrist who uh, helped me a lot in coping with that. And... Um, it, it it went in phases. I, I the first time it was about a year, um, and then I was treated and I was doing fine. And then there was a terrorist attack that took place here in Israel, and I had gone off my medication. That was a very bad choice. And the terrorist attack, I I kept watching the vision visualizations of it of of blood all over this yeshiva. And it, mm -hmm. Yeshiva is a place where I studied as well. One of these types yeah. of schools of Jewish thought. And seeing blood all over the place, there were, I think, 11, uh, eight boys that were killed wow. by someone who was a man. He had been a janitor there, and he did a suicide, a, 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 a suicide attack on there, just running through with a machine gun, killing people. And it just, like, it there, it, that zapped me back into a very depressed state that was much mm -hmm. worse than I had before. Um, and uh, suddenly... Uh, the 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 smell of a flower was a gold mine wow. the precious um things that are naturally around us i was no longer a seeker of of dramatic things in my life mm -hmm. i i didn't have to make it in hollywood or nor did i have to make it in any other field 
or any other social environment because what I had to do was survive the pain and appreciate the things that were around me to appreciate. So my relationships with my kids, my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, and my relationship with myself Mm -hmm. all became much more the focus of my life. And um, that, to me, was an enlightenment that would not have happened yeah. Had I just had a jolly old life going, you know, smoothly with a with a with a, a paved road all the way, uh, so mm-hmm. I think your your question is a very a very profound one. Of um, you know, yes, within the struggle, there's 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 so much to learn and so much to enjoy through different senses. Of you know, we say we have five senses. We have more yeah. than five senses. I believe and, so. I think the ones that we are known, the five, uh, those are the natural ones. But I right. believe they're much deeper senses. Uh, discernment is a sense. Uh, as you said, the prophets were able to discern someone's soul, the deepness of it, they, where they need to go, the path. And that's a tremendous art that has been lost, I know. Um, uh, I actually wrote, uh, I bought a book several years ago that I started to study and started to read, and I've been reading it really slow. The Sefer uh, Yitzirah. I love that book. Sefer Yitzirah. Yeah. And I've been reading that and, and, uh, just slowly grabbing it and putting it together. I don't, that's something I bought that I did not want to rush. I didn't want to read, like, you know what I mean? Uh, don't rush read i want something it's 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 a book about the meditation uh of 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 the human spirit and and at a deeper level so that's what i'm in it to get that revelation and that meat of it and as you you may you may find it uh helpful there's an author who passed away at a young age named Mm aria kaplan And okay. he he uh, explains the Sefer Yitzira and other great writings. Sefer Yitzira actually goes back to Abraham. Abraham, um, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those classic uh, books that describe the creation of the world and what a person is, and it's it's yes. it's a fascinating study. So yeah. it's not something to take quickly. Go slowly and enjoy every mm-hmm. step. Um, but yeah. you should know that it's it's very abstract, and therefore the commentaries on it would be helpful. So, like yeah, someone like Arya Kaplan. Oh, good, okay. good. That's very, very yeah, important. Yeah, it, it's it's it. You can get lost if you don't have those other tools because it is. But I, it's uh, it's something that has um, really fascinated me, David. I I read a lot. Of, I read a lot of. Um, I do another podcast, and I grab a lot of information from uh, all of the different uh, uh, books that are out there, different from the Bible to get a better picture as to what was happening around that time. I look at uh, uh, the book of Yasher and all the other books that are out there, um, the, uh, uh, you know, that I love to study. But here you are, you're, you're growing as this uh, man. Um, you are learning you mentioned meditation, and I do meditation because I find it very effective in helping me to become knowledgeable about me. Um, and from that space, I am able to um, get in touch and have my relationship with my God. I do a lot of meditation and and focus, 
so that when I come out from that space, I learn how to love. I learn all of that stuff because the I tell people the primary uh, uh, principle by which the human spirit should be governed is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And from me, my study, I tell them, I said, that's the spirit, soul, and body. That encompass the entire individual. And you have a revelation about the soul. And I wanted to talk to you about that because it's very important. A lot of people um, don't have that revelation, David. And it's a vital part of their existence that we need to learn about. So talk to us. Uh, you, you gravitated as you moved towards your books and so forth. How did, uh, was that a natural progression that you moved from the music to the book? How did that come about? And why that one for your first book, number one, then we'll talk about the other projects that you have. It's a, it, when, when studying in yeshiva, when I was, uh, the more I got into it, the more it became, uh, well, what is my relationship like with God? What is, what is my soul longing for what does God want from my soul? So mm-hmm. the soul, you know, like you said, the prayer, we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, God is one. What does that mean, God is one? So many things that I was doing in my Jewish practice mm-hmm. uh, have to do with what is the soul. Like, it's involving the soul. But a lot of people, they do rituals without taking the time out to really explore what the underlying basis is for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. When somebody grows up non-religious, uh, there's a certain advantage that we have in that we're exploring religion from a point of view as an adult, which is very different than being brought up and being taught how to do everything, and it becomes sort of by rote you do it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I teach a lot of people who, like that to see what they're doing from scratch, see yeah. it as an adult. You, you can put on um, a, uh, a shirt as a kid, or we say it sits us, the, the fringes that we wear on a garment, you can put on as a, as, as a, as a five-year-old kid, and they maybe fit perfectly, and they're, they're 100% kosher, they're fine. But mm-hmm. when you get older and your body gets bigger, then those same ones don't fit anymore because they're yeah. too small. They have to cover the majority of your body, of, of your upper body. So same thing with your relationship with God. Yeah, as a little kid, you can learn all kinds of things that are true, but they're not refined. They're not mature. They're yeah. not developed like as an adult. And therefore, as an adult looking into spirituality, um, it's very natural to ask, you know, almost like somebody looking into a business, they're going to ask all the questions about like, you know, how, where is this going to be in five years from now? Now, where's your management? Well, how's the structure of the business? And, you know, it's, we, we analyze the things we know we should analyze, but mm-hmm. a lot of people don't spend the time to analyze the most basic questions about who we are and what we are. But that was a very natural and central part of my development. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my, my music and my books are really focused on those questions. That's what I love yeah. to be able to give over in a very natural way. But one of the things that concerned me that when I was becoming religious, that because so many people are doing the same thing on, in terms of, from a religious standpoint, 
mm-hmm. it looks like everybody's supposed to be the same. Yeah. And as I started learning more Hasidic masters' works, I found that it's actually the opposite. That mm-hmm. just like physically, medically, we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to eat the right things, that everybody's supposed to eat what's proper for them. If I go to an eye doctor, whether my eyes are brown or someone else's are blue, the same eye doctor can treat them because there's a certain set of commonality that we all share. Mm-hmm. But then when you step beyond that, there's also a realm of 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 individuality. So although, yes, we are all keeping the same commandments, yeah. it doesn't mean that we're all the same. And that's where yes. I started to discover more that I have a particular spiritual purpose in this world that is mm-hmm. unique. Even though my friend and I both will eat kosher food, I can be yeah. a very different person from them. So we're both breathing the same air, but we're very, very different people. And mm-hmm. that became perhaps from my artistic background, that uniqueness was an important part of who I was. And uh, when I started finding how much that is a part of my Jewish background, of my Jewish tradition, uh, Mm -hmm. it was very relieving to be able to know that my pursuit of creativity was something that God wanted from me, as opposed to putting it aside now for a spiritual journey. No, they're one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. It is you, and, and that's what I, I tell people, David, because people, a lot of them, and I guess maybe it's their programming, that they feel they have to put it away. And I'm, no, I, I look at that and I said, no, it is who you are. All of it is uh, all-inclusive of you. It is, there's the importance, as you mentioned, the importance of the individual person and the importance of the, I, I always put it this way, the independence and the interdependence there is both but the independent is um, even more so important because as you get to learn about your independentness and the the little uh, uh, nuances about you spirit soul and body you will then see how you fit into the interdependent part of uh, the existences of one another but you have to go through that interdependent where you got to know who you are in every level um if you're a musician and all those things put together it's interesting though maybe you've covered this in safer yasira but um that's there's a dichotomy that we resolve in our uh observance and that is that um as you said god is one the -hmm. world is one there's a unity that is is all part of this whole big spiritual uh, life that we live. Um, but I'll, ultimately, what I want to do is be a servant of God. Yeah. I want to do what he wants. So that sounds like I'm giving myself up to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. But really, if, he wants me to be who I am. And therefore, <laughs> the more I give myself up, the more I actually am actualizing who I am. So yeah. I should never fear the abandonment of who I really am, but mm-hmm. I should at the same time surrender myself to his will because by doing so, I'm actually fulfilling what is deep down my ultimate real purpose. Yeah. So my creativity should always fit into that wanting to do that purpose of serving him because that's not a departure from me. That is an essential part of who I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, 
in my in my second book uh, that I discuss that much more. My second book, the the cover of the book, which is called Pictures of of Your Soul, is a picture of a selfie, a person taking a selfie. Uh, on, on an iPhone, but instead of seeing their face in in the screen, they see a candle, and mm. that's because it says in Mishlei in in the, in the writings that uh, that the soul of man is the candle of God, candle of the Lord. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So I felt that was suitable for pictures of your soul. Yeah, to have the candle representing the soul. And in there, I discuss the anatomy of the soul, five levels of the soul. Um, it says in the, in the Torah that God breathed life into man. And it's interesting that the sound of breathing is the same sound that the fifth letter of the, the Hebrew alphabet makes, which is ha, ha. That's a mm-hmm. hey, the letter hey, which is the fifth letter. And five is also the soul because there's five levels of the soul. So when God breathed life into man, he breathed in the letter hey through the breathing sound. He, leave, mm-hmm. he breathed in the five levels of the soul. And so each level of the soul is, uh, has its own properties. For example, the lowest level of the soul, which is called nephesh, mm-hmm. is rests within us in the con- in in its connection to the blood it says many times in the bible that dam hu anefesh that the blood is the soul the, so that mm-hmm. for example if there's blood spilled there it's its blood is the soul that represents the life of a person but it yeah. represents the life of the person and of the which is connected more to what's called the animal soul that mm-hmm. we have within us animals also have souls but it's a lower level soul yeah. which is a animal soul. We have an, a soul that is connected to our breathing, so that's mm-hmm. why, and, to, and to the blood, which is why if you were to try to picture your soul within you, it flows all the way up and down your body, everywhere the blood flows. You feel yeah. that's the, phys, the closest physical representation we have to that spiritual entity is the thing that it's connected to the most. And it's connected to the highest level of the blood. The blood also has mm-hmm. five levels. And the highest level of the blood is connected to the lowest level of the soul. And so, therefore, it's, the, it's almost like an evaporated steam blood level. Yeah. Um, and so, when I meditate, and what mindfulness really is focusing on is the nefesh. It's mm-hmm. becoming aware of every part of your body. It's very, very much in tune with breathing. Mm-hmm. And you move your way up the body and become aware of it all and become just, you know, living in the here and now and experiencing yourself as a living being. Yeah. But then the next level is called Ruach. And, and that's something which is related to the heart, but it's a place which is it's scarier to go into in a meditation it's a place mm-hmm. of darkness, of emptiness. And to travel through emptiness is a very, very spiritual place to be. And what we try to do is not just go there and then come back out and deal with the world. Mm-hmm. What we try to do is go there and carry with us that awareness in the world as opposed to mm-hmm. depart from it. And so it's there's a, a, um, a t- Talmudic statement that tells us that 
a Torah scroll, this, a biblical scroll. We, we read it from a scroll as opposed to from a book with it. You know, we have an obligation to read three times a week yeah. from a Torah scroll, which has letters and each letter has meaning and, and the placement of the letter has very strict laws. So the mm-hmm. letters are very, very holy. But our sages teach us that the space around the letters, yes. the negative space, so to speak, is even yeah. holier than holier. the letters themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the empty spaces as well. So yeah. when we go up into the Ruach level of the meditation, we're, we're now between the letters. We're in that space which has a ho- holier dynamic to it. And mm-hmm. my second album that I put out is called Empty Spaces. And uh, I would play it for you now, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's start breathing to the moment, right? Yeah. It's all a process of going from the nefesh level to the wonders of your soul, which is in, finally I get into the ruach level of the soul. And, and that, that's the, that's the uh, title song is all about this meditative process of becoming aware of the soul. So, um, that, that process that where you asked, like how I became more aware of this, this became a process of learning, of studying from mm-hmm. the ancient texts, uh, and yeah. more contemporary of teaching us how to be in touch with that. And the more you learn about it, then the more you look for that, which you've learned. If t- someone mm-hmm. tells you that you have something inside of you, then now you can search for something. You know, I, I like to use an example of, um, if, if a, a, and I teach classes a lot to do with self-esteem and the issues I, yeah. because I should like to show what what Judaism says about things that are that people are struggling with. Uh, mm-hmm. I speak to the pain of people, and but I use the Torah as my basis for what I'm teaching. And one of the things I teach a lot is that if you were to go out and dig for a gold mine, but no one ever told you where to dig it could be a very frustrating experience because you have no reason to think it's there. Yeah. But if someone told you, I promise you, there's a gold mine, but you're going to have to dig down under this place to find it. It's, you know, it could be six feet, 12 feet, but it's down there. So then as soon as you begin digging, you're already in a process of discovering that treasure, which is in you. Mm -hmm. And so, the precious soul is untouchable. It's, 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 the value is, it's, it's immeasurable. It's a, yeah. it says in the Tanya, it says that it is at, like a piece of God. It's a mm-hmm. godly spark that's in you. And so if a person's feeling very low and depressed or unaccomplished or unappreciated and they're suffering from low esteem, self-esteem, so mm-hmm. if they dig knowing that there is this treasure in them and that nobody can possibly change that, then there is an absolute basis for self-esteem, not a relative yeah. one. Yes. There, there was a teaching I once I, I, I took that I disagreed with, I found online. A psychologist said, um, he said, who wants this $20 bill, right? And everybody said, I want the $20 bill. And then mm-hmm. he crinkled up the $20 bill. And he says, who wants it now? And of course, everyone said, I want it now mm-hmm. as well. And then he stepped on it and, and crinkled it up more. And who wants it now? Of course, everyone wants it now. So he says, mm-hmm. I have just proven to you a very important point that no matter how much people step on you, and they crinkle you up 
and try to you know destroy you, you should always know that you are beautiful in the eyes of those who love you. Yeah. Which sounds very nice and very warm. But the, yeah. what is the what if somebody doesn't have anyone who loves them? Does that yeah. mean they have no right to love themselves? Yeah. So we have to have a, a true basis of self-esteem. And so when a person knows of the beauty of their soul, that it's there no matter what, even if they mm -hmm. make mistakes in life, and even if it seems like other people don't love them, they have to know that deep inside is this incredible soul that if I dig down to the gold mine, it, I'm going to discover it. It's really, really there. Yeah. So then that's a different, completely different plane of life because now you're living knowing your value, even if I don't feel it this t today, but it's there yeah. anyway. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely correct. Um, everyone that has been listening to David and I have this conversation. I want you to get into his space, buy his books, because within those books house much wisdom as you're listening and hearing uh, the music. Get into all of those things and so that he can guide you to understand the value that you are. Um, it is very important to understand that because, as he uh, just stated, you have to know that even if someone else around you it doesn't uh, express that. But once you know the greatness within you, I believe that is the place that you gain wisdom, understanding. And from there, that uh, position, you can then look at others and be that one for that other person that doesn't have someone but you saw the value that is in you, that you're able to change their life based on your revelation of who you are. And so I want you guys get everything that you can possibly get. I'm going to purchase a couple myself because I'm very fascinating, fascinated in getting to know uh, some of your writings and your, um, your insight, David. And I'm going to uh, pick up a few of myself. Uh, so talk to us, uh, David, as you are in doing the things that you've gained or the knowledge that you have gained and your teaching and all of those things. You're at a place in your life now. Um, where is that place? And um, what is the vision that you have for uh, David now at this age, at this time, at this space? What is it that you have that is stirring within your your being that you think it is the next phase of your uh, personal growth? Well, first of all, um, I'm a father of eight kids and mm -hmm. 16 grandchildren. That's, a, that, that's a big family. Uh, yeah. And uh, just one, one daughter lives in, in America, but the rest of my kids live here. Yeah. I'm a 20-year-old who's getting married in a few weeks. Um, so my family has become very much a part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I study Torah with my son, with my son-in-law as well. And we, that's, that's my son-in-law. We study a lot of the more mystical ideas together. Um, I, I very much, I, I, I've, I've done enough uh, regular teaching. I, I, used to, I taught for five years at, a, at a, a woman's, a girl's school here in Jerusalem where people come for with no background, but mm -hmm. I, I'm, I've moved now beyond that into a place where I want to reach out to the world as a whole more with wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, and the books, 
those two books, a book about you and pictures of your soul are an expression of that. Um, I didn't tell you about my film background, but I've, I won the Cannes Film Festival. Um, uh, wow. I did a movie. I did a movie with Martin Short that Disney uh, actually distributed. Uh, so I, I, I have background in film. So I've been using my film production also as part of my expression to to share these ideas. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that my having suffered from depression, uh, especially where there was some trace of bipolar too, mm-hmm. um, I'm I have to also put the brakes on and make sure that I'm not throwing myself back into Hollywood. Yeah. So my vision is not so much of a grandiose vision of trying to accomplish something that everybody is going to clap at me for, that everyone's going to praise me for. But rather, it's a vision of being honest with who I am, what's the next stage of my spiritual development, which has a lot to do with my studies, being true to myself with what I understand and what I don't understand, connecting myself to people who are inspirational for that stage of development, and stop running so fast in in a different direction because that's yeah. my tendency that we saw right from the beginning of our discussion um, and uh, and living a life of balance and recognizing that I'm now in my early 60s and there's each phase of life has a different um, advantage to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we say that uh, 60s is chachma. It's a level of the soul that has to do with wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in this phase of life, I don't want to live the life of my 40s or my 20s. Yeah. I want to live the life of my 60s, which is a yeah. God-given time that I'm blessed with that actually when you live to 60, once you hit 60, there's a certain phase that you're supposed to move into of a certain type of awareness that you try to hold up that awareness and look at the world through that higher level of awareness. So I don't like to I don't like to define the next phase of my life in such a mm-hmm. proactive way. I think of it more of a, of a of a consciousness stage that I'm trying to uphold and develop and along with that comes the books and the music and the creative part, but they're all part of a a more serene kind of outlook in life, as opposed to I'm going to make a revolution, you know, I'm going to change the world. I have to change myself, the people around me, in my family. I have to reach out to my community and then from there reach out to the world, but much more in a step-by-step process as opposed to I got to, you know, I got to get on television and, you know, like be on the talk shows and, you know. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Uh, I am now uh, in my 60s. Uh, This year I'm going to be 61. And um, my granddaughter keeps reminding me I have uh, five sons and uh, I have four granddaughters. I had all sons and I have all granddaughters. It's really, really (laughs) interesting. Uh, But they are a different breed. They they um, own me. It's just one smile. And uh, Papa, that word just makes me melt and, and I lose it. I can't seem to to hold it 
I laugh and they joke with me anyway, but I get, I understand exactly what you're talking about and how we are looking at the world from a different lens. Uh, we are looking at our sphere of influence being uh, first on our own self and then our family and then our community. And then as uh, we grow and move forward, David, I want to thank you so much, sir, for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. I need to stay in touch with you because I need to pick much more of your brain than you have given to us in the last hour or so. But I want to thank you first for coming to Threads of Enlightenment and sharing with us, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, I just would like to encourage people for any connection to my books or to my music, my website has the connections to all. You can listen to some music there. But my website is You project.com real you project.com and my music can always be found on spotify and apple music at david h green and uh i hope you can enjoy them and be inspired thank you very much for having me excellent and you guys i mentioned before his books and the music get everything that you can of david and support him and uh, learn from him as you support him you're actually learning you're drinking from his knowledge what he has uh, uh, gained from his studies and he was uh, led that in a book form by which those uh, uh, the anointing is still there the power uh, the juice the good stuff is still there that is able to leap from those pages those words into your being and to change you. David, again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are, and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.